God has a way of humbling us. For those of you that didn't uh, get to experience my pants going to the floor this morning, my wife made a mad dash for another pair of pants for me. Thank you. Everyone say glory, hallelujah. Because <laughs> trust me, you don't want to see my pants come down. <laughs> After announcements, Emily, my pants went to the floor. Because the button broke. So we're, we're, we're a real transparent church in case you guys haven't figured that out. We kind of shared all. We all have issues. We all have problems. And thank you that most of you were standing up and didn't see that awesome event. So that's a first for me, praise the Lord. Huh? Oh, thanks, wife. I, my wife's reminded me of one other event. We were on vacation in Canada. And we were at a beach party with lots of two or three hundred people, and we were in a canoe race. And our canoe tipped over. So you, have you ever tried to get back in a canoe when you're a little overweight? Well, I went up, and something else went down. And so we'll just call it a... A mooning event. <laughs> yeah. You got to be able to laugh at yourself. You got to be able to laugh at yourself. And so I'm really laughing on the inside. Anything else you want to share, my dear wife? Yeah. Praise God. If you're a guest with us, I know you probably won't be back. I promise you it's like this every Sunday. Yep, yep, praise the Lord. Uh, I'm assuming Flip 180, you guys are staying in here. I'm so nervous right now, I can't remember. Are they staying in or going out? They're going out. I see a wave. So Flip 180, you guys can be released. Camp Grizzly, you guys can be released. I wanted to make sure you heard that story. The rest of the service will be, will be G-rated. Man, praise God for all of our children. Amen? Praise God. You know, we're very thankful we minister over 75 children every week. That's a good thing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, there went half the church. <laughs> Amen. Well, before I get into my, uh, the message that I want to share, um, I also want to... Um, last week when Tom was sharing, we were going to also share uh, some things about uh, just to update you on what God is doing and uh, what God is doing in Mike Brown's life. Um, we were going to bring him up and pray for him. And, uh, but before Mike comes up here, um, you know, Mike has, um, he has been working over the last several years here at New Covenant doing a lot of different things, a lot of things you guys don't even see. 
and a lot of discipleship, a lot of equipping of kids and teenagers and all kinds of different things. <clears throat> and, um, you know, Mike is called into full-time ministry. Do you guys realize that? There's a call of God on his life, and um, we just want to acknowledge what he's been doing over the last couple of years is giving about 10 to anywhere as much as 20 hours per week uh, of his time for the Lord in discipleship, in training in signs and wonders and miracles. Is there anybody here that has a parent, or as a parent, your children hears from God better or has the word of knowledge? Is there anybody here where your children actually hear from God better because of what Mike's done in equipping? My wife's raising her. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Look at that. As a, as a result of him teaching and equipping every, all of our fireflies, Camp Grizzly, Frip 180, and even our youth, uh, there has been an increase in the anointing and an increase in how kids hear from heaven and how we as, even as, as adults. He's an evangelist. He's uh, he has a calling on his life. Now, what's been going on in his life is the calling he's known for quite a while. Now he's been in this process, what we call consecration. And the process of consecration is this work of character, this thing of where God's refining him. There's this thing that's been going on in him for quite some time, this consecration. Eventually, there is going to become a commissioning where we lay hands on him and commission him into full-time ministry. That's not happening yet. Right now, we're in the, the consecration. I want to acknowledge what God has been doing in this man's life. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. And so what we're doing as a church is we are, we're going to start paying him 10 hours a week because he, he's actually working more than that. But that's what we can swing at this point in time. And we're going to, as, as he gets released more and more, we're going to actually uh, pay him more as time goes on. But I just wanted to acknowledge what God is doing. Mike, if you don't mind, come up here. Um, everybody just welcome Mike to the floor. And here's what I... <laughs> he had a wardrobe malfunction too. That guitar is hot, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> But here's what I want to acknowledge to us publicly. Not only has Mike been doing a lot of work, but what you guys don't see is how he carries his heart. How he honors authority. Even when he doesn't agree. And I can't say that about everybody. Because you know what? We're not going to agree on everything. Has anybody ever figured that out in a marriage? You bunch of liars. <laughs> you know what I mean? And in, in the process, even in our marriage, we honor one another even when we disagree and we choose to walk. And so he's played some plays and done some things where Tom and I have said, this is the direction we've gone. And he's walked that as if it was his own decision and he supported it as if it was his own decision instead of being behind the scenes going, oh, why in the world are those guys doing that? Well, there's always a reason why things get done in the house of God. And you know what? God allows leaders to make mistakes in order to test our hearts. And Mike has been having his heart tested over the last couple of years. The other area that I want to honor this man in is his ability to take correction. I don't find that very often in men and women's hearts where people are willing to take correction. Where when you come and bring an issue before him, he is always to, yes, I see what you're saying. And he allows the Spirit of God to bring correction to his heart. And so I want to honor that before you guys Amen. and before God, that that is a characteristic that God is looking for in leaders. 
Now, is Mike perfect? Absolutely not. He's right alongside me and all of you. We all have issues and we all have hang-ups, but he has submitted himself to the Lord. And I just wanted to publicly honor him and say, you know, guys, we're going to start that a laborer is worth his wages and his hire is what the Bible says. And even though he's not getting 10 or 15 or 20 hours paid by the church, we're going to start at 10 and we're going to begin to honor the work that he's doing in the house of God. Can you guys do that with me? Amen. 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 And so, Mike, I want to say publicly, I love you dearly, and I thank God for you. You've been a great spiritual son. I even hate calling you a son in some ways because I see you as a peer as well. But uh, you've been a wonderful, wonderful son who has submitted to the Father's hand, and I love you dearly. And I just want to pray for you. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I love this man. I love you, Mike. And I know you've been working hard without any rewards. And the Lord has seen it. And I just bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We want to release you and we want to acknowledge you before man and before God today. That you are a great son in whom we are well pleased. And we bless you this day. And Lord, I pray God for a greater anointing as we acknowledge him publicly, God. That you would, God, continue to anoint him and fire him up as he evangelizes, as he raises up this evangelism team. Father God, may, may multitudes come into your kingdom through Mike and the people of this church in this region, Father. We're declaring revival over Newcastle. We're declaring revival over this region. That this place is a habitation for the Lord. And Father, I know you're using Mike even to stir revival in this land. And I just say, God, release him. Release him in your power, God, to be part, to be an instrument of revival in this land. And so, Father, we just bless him today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Bless you, buddy. Love you, too. Amen. As I acknowledge Mike, I want to also acknowledge that, you know what? There are many in this house that are called to full-time ministry. And part of the process is uh, dying to self. And God's going to honor you as well as you honor the Lord. And so I thank God that we have an equipping station here. I praise God that people are raising up and taking responsibility for the kingdom. And uh, men are stepping up. Women are stepping up. And I'm excited about it. Anybody else? And so I want to encourage you, if... If God has placed something in your heart, here's what happened with Paul. Paul was doing the work of the ministry before any hands was laid on him. Paul was doing the work of the ministry before he was commissioned. And what I want to say is, it's not a position. (laughs) It's really just a work. And I encourage you, if there's a work inside of your heart that God's stirring, let me know about it. It's impossible to steward 150 people and for me to come to you. You really, if there's something in your heart where you feel like the Lord wants you to do something, come to me. Let me know, and I will help that process to see that you fulfill your destiny and your your purpose for the Lord. Can I have an amen on that? Praise the Lord. Awesome. Well, guys, you ready for the Word of God? Are you ready for the Word of God? Amen. 
We love the word around here, don't we? We are readers. And readers are leaders. Amen. And so we're going to dive into the word. So if you have your Bible with you today, make sure you jump on it and get it out and uh, open those pages and turn to Ephesians chapter 3. We are going to finish our study on Ephesians. We've been studying that and reading it. I've had several of you share some things uh, about Ephesians with me, and I praise God for it. Please keep digging into it and rereading it and rereading it and rereading it. The word is good. Can I have an amen on that? So today what we're going to do is we're going to start, I'm going to kind of remind us, I'm going to, because we've had several weeks since I last preached on Ephesians, get it out, Ephesians. Can you tell me something about Ephesus that we've learned? What was the city like in Ephesus? War. They were paganists. They were polytheists, so they worshipped many gods. Okay? What else did we learn about the city of Ephesus? They went to the bathroom outside. They were a lot like me, losing their drawers in public. Yeah, they sat beside each other on the throne. Yeah. Outdoor toilets. Uh, anything else you learned, Shelly? <laughs> What else did we learn about Ephesus? You remember, who did they worship? What was their big idol that was a big worship? They worshiped big. Artemis. Artemis, the Greek goddess Artemis. And she was this, and there was this huge temple to Artemis. It was one of the seven wonders of the world in ancient Asia. And they worshiped Artemis along with many, many other idols. But the Greek mythology had affected this city like crazy. And Paul... In like 30 years after Christ, Paul, in his missionary journey, had went to Ephesus, and many, many, many had gotten born again. The, the Christian faith was spreading like wildfire over 30 years. And so Paul, on his second missionary journey, he goes to Ephesus, and many, many more, and he, he preaches and he teaches there. And, and I showed you a bunch of the artifacts on the PowerPoint where you saw the, the theater that seated 22,000 people. We, we showed you the marble streets and everything that was there. It was just an amazing city. It was a city that was a port and everything came in and out. And so the gospel being there was huge. And so Paul gets arrested because he's preaching the gospel in Ephesus, because he's preaching to the Gentiles. And, they, all, and they, all, they arrest him and they take him to Rome. And this book that we're studying as a church, this book was written by Paul while he's in prison. And he sends this love letter to the church in Ephesus. And he begins to talk to them about what they need to know, the doctrine as far as who they are in Christ. And so when we started on chapter 1 of Ephesians, we found out that who we are in Christ. We found out that literally Paul called us what? saints. He called us saints. He called us and he said that you and I, because we belong to Christ, he said that we were holy, we were blameless, that all these spiritual blessings had been given to us because of Christ. And we went through all these spiritual blessings that you and I have been called to because we have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We've experienced the table of the Lord today. 
because of what he has done for us. And so we went through all those spiritual blessings. And what Paul called us, we don't always feel that we're holy and blameless. We don't always feel that we have spiritual blessings. We don't always feel that we are um, called, that we are chosen. But God showed us through the Ephesians 1 all these issues of who we are, our identity in Christ, and what we've received freely because of that. You guys remember that chapter? And then in chapter 2 we go in, and then Paul goes from calling us saints and calling us all these spiritual blessings. Then in chapter 2 he then unveils to us that, but you used to be. You used to be a bunch of dirt bags. You used to be slaves to sin. You used to be in sexual immorality and all these other sins that he talked about. And he was saying, but that's not who you are any longer because of the grace of God. But today what we're going to do is as we dive into chapter 3, he begins by addressing them now. And now he addresses them not as saints, not as what they used to be, but now he addresses them as Gentiles. Okay, so we're going to go there. If we could fire up the PowerPoint and put up the first scripture. So we're going to talk about this today, and we're going to find out. We're just going to go line by line and begin to pull some truth out of this because it's really important that we as the people of God do more than read the Word. But we must study the Word, showing us ourselves approved as a workman who rightly divides the Word of God. Amen? Amen? And so we're going to start going through this a little bit, and we'll see how far we get. If we don't finish it, we're still going to go to chapter 4, guys, because we're going to get done with Ephesians. Okay? okay? All right. All right. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. He calls them Gentiles. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace. Everybody say grace. grace. That was given to me for who? You Gentiles. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation which I have already written briefly. Now, we will go to that written briefly because in chapter 2, he had written briefly about this grace. And we're going to tie these two chapters together as we move through it. But we're going to talk about this mystery. Anybody want to know what the mystery is? In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. So today, guys, you're going to understand. I'm going to understand... The mystery, the mystery, and he's going to give me insight, going to give me insight. Into, this mystery. into this mystery. All right. Because he says it right here. <laughs> In reading this, then you will, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. So, hey, we are going to understand it today. Can I have an amen? All right, good. So, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. God, may you bless the reading of your holy, holy word. Father, would you begin to open this scripture up to our hearts today that we might understand and comprehend and we might have revelation that goes beyond knowledge to know what you're trying to speak to us, New Covenant Worship Center, today in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. So, <coughs> excuse me. So Gentiles... 
For, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ. He was a prisoner in jail, but he was not a prisoner of Rome. He was a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Amen. For you, the Gentiles. Now, in, is there any Jews in here? I know that Paula has Jewish heritage. Is there anybody else? You have some Jewish heritage in you. Does anybody else that you're aware of have Jewish? Okay, Jessica has. You have some Jewish history in you. Okay. Now, I'm, what I've got to do, no, we don't have any Jewish. We got German and we got, sorry, dude, we're, we're, we're lost. No. Now, what i got to do, for this scripture to make sense to us, I've got to do a little bit of teaching and a little bit of lesson, because we've got to realize the importance of God's people. For us to understand what you and I as Gentiles have received. Are you guys with me? Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go somewhere today. So bear with me. I realize this is line upon line, and this may not be quite as entertaining as you want it to be, but believe me, it is wonderful truth. And so here's what we're going to do. Gentiles, the word Gentiles there, basically in the Greek there, what it basically means is nations. It doesn't necessarily mean non-Jew. It just means nations. It means other people. It means, um, where's my notes here? Ooh, I lost my place. Oh, come on, where is it? Anyway, that's what it means. Gentile, other nations. It means heathen. One who does not acknowledge the God of the Bible. So it's talking about those in Ephesus. They were people who had, did not acknowledge that God was Jehovah. They worshipped many other gods. And so Gentiles really means other nations. And so when he's saying to the Ephesus church, you're Gentiles, but something good is happening to you as a Gentile. And so here's where I want to go today is... Um, where do I want to go today? <clears throat> I want to go to my iPad. Hold on just a second. I have this saved in my, my iPad. Oh, you guys are quiet. See, the scriptures are really, really clear about the importance of Israel. I love Israel. Anybody else love Israel? I love the Jews. There's been a major attack over the Jews. For many, many, many years. But the Bible talks about them, how they are God's chosen and holy people. Okay? Now, the Bible is very clear about that. That God chose Israel as the one he would work with. This was the nation that God delivered out of Egypt, out of slavery. He, this is the nation to whom God gave the land of Canaan. And this is the nation through whom God would bring Christ through the Jewish people. He would bring the promised Messiah through Israel. God himself answered this question of why, why is Israel so important to his heart? Why was Israel an important part of God's heart? And God answers this, and he says this in the scriptures in Deuteronomy in addressing this issue with ancient Israel. He told them, for you are a holy people to the Lord, your God. The Lord your God has chosen you, Israel, to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not, now listen to this, the Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people or nation. For you were the least of all the peoples. 
But because the Lord loves you, because the Lord loves you, Israel, because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So the Lord shows us in Deuteronomy that he did not choose Israel, this little, what's it, about the size of New Jersey? <laughs> huh? About the size of New Jersey, guys. This is a real small nation over in the very center, center of the earth. <laughs> and he, he chooses it because he made a promise to Abraham. He made a promise to Abraham. Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans. He left it. He followed the river. And he went to a land he had no clue he was going to because God was speaking to a man. And God was speaking and Abraham was listening. And out of Abraham, God was going to build a nation. Out of Abraham, it was going to be as numerous as the stars in the heaven, as numerous as the sand on the sea that, that the descendants of Abraham would come. And that through Abraham and through his offspring, all nations would be blessed. All nations would be blessed. That was the plan of God. And Israel, what did they do? You guys are quiet. They would serve God for a while, then they would rebel. They would serve God for a while, then we would rebel. When God said, do not take their kings and their wives and do not, do not take anything from them, what would they do? Oh, we will take them anyway. And we will not obey the Lord and we will do our own thing. Anybody else do that sometimes in their life? Time to surrender. <laughs> and so God chose Israel, blessed Israel. So why did God choose Israel? God chose this ancient people because he, again, had promised Abraham. He had promised Abraham and his descendants that I will build a nation out of you. And out of you, the Messiah will come. Out of you, you will be a blessing to the Gentiles. And God's heart was that Israel would literally become such a nation that they would be a city on a hill and that people would see the blessing that was on them because they served God. And so here's the deal. Now we're in the New Testament and the Gentile was not to experience this covenant that they had made. And so now we are here at this situation here and we're in the scripture and now we're saying that what God's going to do something? Paul's teaching about how the Gentile is going to become one with Israel. Okay, so let's look at this for a second. We're going to go to another scripture. Ephesians 2. We're going to back up. Are you guys with me today? This is really important. Therefore, remember that formerly you who were, you who are Gentiles by birth, and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. So what was it? Israel, they circumcised their boys at eight days, a cutting of the flesh, and so they began to call themselves the circumcision. There was a level of pride. Remember, at the time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope, and without God in the world. 
So now Paul, he's tying chapter 2 and chapter 3 together, and he's saying, hey, you who were Gentiles, you were called uncircumcised, but now, now God's trying to do something different. See, what we don't realize, if we'll get this revelation, we're going to realize that we have a whole lot more covenants and a whole lot more promises and things that the God wants to do with us. We have a whole lot more authority than we think we have. So beginning from Abraham, Israel held priority in God's heart. And now Paul was starting to preach something different. No longer was now Israel just the promised one. No longer was Israel, but now we Gentiles. Now we Gentiles. Now we Gentiles who are not of Jewish heritage the other nations of the earth, now we were going to get to participate because Jesus Christ did something for us. And no longer was it going to be now the rules and regulations of the law, but Paul was now preaching, it is by grace ye are saved. <laughs> but guess what was happening? This was making Israel very angry. This was making the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the religious people who were, Judea, who were Judean. It was making them angry. Because now Paul, they were saying, man, this is heresy. There's no way these Gentiles can come sa become saved. In the New Testament, the culture now was, if you weren't a Jew, you were lesser. Even if you converted to Judaism, you were called a proselyte, you were proselyte, yeah, that word, and you could be converted over to being an Israelite, being circumcised, so then you would have to be circumcised if you joined the faith. Hey, 25-year-old man, how's that sound? Let's join the church of Israel. <laughs> Bring her up. Pull your pants down. <laughs> Woo, can't wait to become an Israelite. Oh, yeah, you're going to become an Israelite now. Okay, bring me a lamb. We're going to sacrifice it for the, your sins now. Okay, you're an Israelite now. Okay, come on. Now you're going to obey the rules and the regulations of the law. You're going to change from worshiping Artemis. Come on, guys. Come over with us. We'll cut a little flesh away and we'll have a party. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I probably wouldn't have been joining that sect. <clears throat> But now Christ had come. He died on the cross. And no longer was the law being what saved you or going through the law and the rules and the regulations of the law. Now it was the blood of Jesus and faith in Christ, just like what Jeff talked about. Now, so the party was happening. Gentiles were saying, that's good news. I don't have to, I don't have to take the knife. It's free, it's grace, it's the mercy of the Lord, it's a free gift now. 
and he takes away my sins. And he throws them as far as the east is from the west. He removes my transgressions. Anybody want to party about that? See, the prophets in the Old Testament, they had prophesied. They had prophesied that the blessing was going to come to the Gentiles. But you know what they didn't prophesy? They didn't prophesy that we were going to be equal with Israel. And the Bible talks about how we become equal. And this was causing a whole big mess. Now Paul is revealing a mystery, a secret, something that had been hidden for generations was now being revealed to this generation. And Paul was now revealing the secret. He was pulling it off and he was coming and he was administering the grace of God to these Ephesian people. And they were receiving it. And they were getting saved. And here's what happened. You guys, this is so fun. Go read your Bible. It's so fun. Read your Bible. It's fun. So Paul gets arrested, and now Peter's jacked up. Because Peter's jacked up now because uh, these Gentiles, they're getting filled with the Holy Ghost. They're speaking in tongues. They're doing all these kind of wild things. And so what do we do? They were, they were arguing, should we circumcise them? Should we cut the knife? And this, this discourse was going on among the apostles. What do we do? So they meet in Jerusalem. They say, okay, guys, what are we going to do? I mean, Gentiles, they're on fire. They're getting saved. There's revival in Gentile land. Jews, they're a little slow. They're not, they're, there's some t- coming on. But it, the Gentile wave was happening. We're a Gentile wave. We're a Gentile wave. And so they said, well, should we have them circumcised? Should we do all these rules? And, and Paul and Peter and all of them come to agreement. Listen, dude, this is all we're going to do. All we're going to do, we're not going to put any regulations on them. They love Jesus. So God's doing something. What God's doing, we're going we're to endorse what God's doing. All we're going to say is don't eat the blood of animals. Don't eat a, uh, an animal that's been sacrificed to an idol. And don't get involved in sex outside of marriage. He said, tell them that, let them go. Good luck, see you later. (laughs) He didn't say they had to observe the festivals, the new moon, the, 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 the day of atonement. They had to do all these rules and regulations. He says, man, just tell them don't be sexual immoral. Don't, don't, don't deal with blood that's been sacrificed to idols and just go for it. Everybody say, go for it. And so that's what they did. And so Paul's given them this jacked up message about the grace of God. And the Gentiles are receiving it. And Paul is revealing this secret. And the secret is this. The gospel, everybody say it with me, the gospel of God's grace. The gospel of God's grace. Say it again. Say, God, teach me the gospel of grace. That I'm saved by grace, grace. not by works, not by by regulations, not by by obeying everything to the tittle. tittle. (laughs) Never knew I'd use that word. That That is a scriptural word. God, sanctify their mind and make it holy in Jesus' name. The grace of God in Christ is what saves you. 
The grace of God is what saves you. Faith in his grace. Say faith in his grace. It is not works. It is not regulations. It's grace. See, here we have a problem in America. We're all performance addicts. Now, I'm not saying that we're not to live holy lives. That's just not where it starts. Is once we understand the grace of God, this mystery that Paul was talking about in Ephesians chapter 3, grace, what is a gift? I know we talked about it a little bit ago, but I want you to realize that grace is unmerited favor. Abraham does not deserve daddy's grace. Sometimes he deserves. Of course, he's 18. That's hard to do anymore. (laughs) Do I need to come over there? Chad Lynn does not deserve grace. Alex, you do not deserve grace. If we knew half of what all you did this week and we were to base it upon performance and you obeying every detail of the law, we wouldn't be here this morning. Because I don't know about you, but on my best hair day, on my best day of obedience, on my best day of reaching out to others, on my best day of dying to self and sacrificing myself, staying up to 11 or 2 or whatever o'clock in the morning to help somebody in need, on my best day, it's not enough. It's simply not enough. It doesn't meet the holy requirements of a holy God. It can't. It never will. It's like Joel and I have ministered to several people as we've traveled and shared his testimony and, 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 and people are wanting healed and we've got a family that we're praying for, Ryan in a wheelchair for his deliverance. And, you know, I can see it in the mother. She's wanting to do everything right so her son can receive healing. <laughs> She's wanting to jump through every hoop possible to make sure she gets that healing from the Lord. And I see it in this house too. We, we, well, if I just do this, maybe God will approve of me and he'll give me this. And so really what we're doing is we're doing this to get this. We're performing here. Pray a little longer, kneel a little longer. To get God to move. Well, really what it's called is witchcraft. Because I'm trying to manipulate God to get what I want. And we wonder why our prayers aren't answered. Well, it's because you want to get what you want for your own desire. For your life to turn out a little smoother or a little better or a little better financial, or my marriage is a little better, or my, or my healing, or my deliverance, or my... What's the problem with my? 
I'm at the center of the throne. And so as Joel and I have traveled around, one of the things that the Lord has had me share with several people is this, is if Joel got his healing because he was perfect and he did everything right, he'd still be in the wheelchair. He'd still be in the wheelchair. He would still be in the wheelchair because he falls short of the glory of God every day. And so do you and so do I. We fall short of the magnificent glory of our God. We're always one step short. We're always another thing wrong. I'm so tired of people trying to fix their wrongs. When it's really found in the presence of Almighty God. And it's all about learning to understand His grace, His unmerited favor. You, now, it's not a license to sin. That's why the argument in Romans goes on in chapter 7. He talks about, Paul talks about in Romans 7, well, pe people were arguing with him, well, gosh, that just gives you a license to sin. No, it doesn't give you a license to sin. Because if it's really grace, that if you get in a revelation of God's grace and his unmerited favor, you don't want to sin. I don't want to hurt my God. I don't want to defame his name. As people are looking up to me and they're seeing Christ and I begin to defame his name, I don't want to do that. He's too glorious. He's done too much for me. And so I... I, I see myself, and I'm getting ready to do two funerals, and Cooney didn't deserve to go to heaven. <laughs> Tom Riddle didn't deserve to go to heaven. <laughs> Their performance probably wasn't good enough to go to heaven. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I know it wasn't. Just like yours isn't good enough to go to heaven. And here we do in the church, what do we do? We get so critical of each other. We start pointing fingers. And we start, I can't believe you. <laughs> we climb all over each other. We talk about each other. We do, it's just crazy. We're so critical of each other. Dear God, do you realize how much grace you've been given? No, you don't. Or you wouldn't talk about others. You wouldn't gossip. You wouldn't put people down. Because you would realize how much you've been forgiven and how all I need to do is I need to extend grace and say, man, I love you, but if you're struggling in that area, let me help you. Instead of pointing the finger. So I know we don't have a revelation of God's grace. You know why? Because that goes on every day. Look at Facebook. A legal way to bash people <laughs> without giving their name. <laughs> I don't know if I'm making any sense. It's 12 o'clock. I got off on a rabbit trail. Is that okay with you guys? But in Ephesians 2, 14 through 7, he talks about this issue and he says, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, Jew and Gentile. His purpose was to create in himself 
one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Is anybody glad they have access to the Father? Amen. Amen. And so Paul goes on, he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Does anybody remember when that happened to Paul? On the road to Damascus. The power of God came upon Paul, slayed him down, blinded him, and God said, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? And Paul had this encounter with God, of the grace of God. Paul did not deserve the grace of God. Why did he not deserve it? He was killing Christians. Dear goodness. He was making it very difficult on God's people. And the power of God came. Oh, he says, although I am less than the least of all God's people, the grace was given me. <laughs> Boy, are you least of other people? Or are you first? Are you last or are you first? I am the less I am the less than the least of all God's people. The grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent, now look at this, this is also powerful. His intent, does anybody want to know God's intent? Was that now, through the church, who's the church? Who's the church? His intent was now through you, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to who? To who? Now, in my mind, I would think that it would be made known to man. In my mind, I would think that the manifold wisdom of you guys would be made known to mankind. But if you look that up, that's both angels and demons. That through you, the manifold wisdom of God might be revealed to the principalities of both heaven and earth, and demons and both angels would be made known. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him... And through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. And, confidence. and confidence. Now, I could preach a couple days on this right here. Rulers and authorities. See, what we don't realize is angels and demons do not know the sovereignty of God. They don't know his plans. They don't know it. They're only told. Now, demons aren't told by God. They're told by Satan, right? But you are to begin to declare the manifold wisdom of God, that through grace in Christ, because what does Satan always do to you? And what does he lie about? Everything. Everything, but what does he mainly lie about that gets you so down? Who you are in your performance. He lies to you about who you are and your performance. <laughs> you must not really be saved. You wouldn't act like that. If you were really saved, you wouldn't be doing that. If you were really saved, you'd be a whole lot more patient. 
He's an accuser of the brethren, both day and night. Slamming you, condemning you, and trying to get you to be convinced that you're not worth a bag of chips. (laughs) Well, I'm Doritos. (laughs) I'm worth a bag of chips, plus a whole lot more. And so are you. But because of this scripture, okay, guys, I'm going to wind this down. And here's the deal. Because of his great grace and because he's wanting to make the two the one, here's the good news. We're no longer foreigners. We're no longer uh, foreign kids. We're no longer foreigners. We're not aliens, but we're fellow citizens with God's household. We are now God's chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are members of God's household. Household. (laughs) You are a member of God's household. You are part of the chosen people. You have now become like Israel. You are blessed and you are now part of Abraham's covenant. And that should affect us with revelation. The mystery was causing a revolt, but God was trying to say something. So the new revelation was being rejected, but the Gentiles were receiving it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wind this puppy down, even though I have two pages left. Here's what I want to say is read Ephesians chapter 3 and ask God to give you revelation. Somebody called me this week or emailed me and said, oh, I love this passage on down right here where it says, as Paul was praying for them, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And they emailed me and said, oh my, Eric, I want to know that kind of love. And I said, oh good. Then start the mystery hunt of discovering the love of God. That's what God highlighted to you in this passage, then start digging into it. Start finding out. And here's what I said to the person. I said, get ready to have challenging people in your life. (laughs) Because the way God teaches us love is he puts unlovable people in front of us. And he says, love. Learn my love. Here, try this one. (laughs) Oh, if that's not good enough, let me bring this one into your life. (laughs) And then when you fail on that one, guess what? You never flunk God's test. You just get a retake. (laughs) And some people have been taking the test for 40 years and still flunking. And God's grace comes in there and says, oh, come on, buddy. You can do this. And you might send a Mike Brown in your life and you go, oh, no, God, no. (laughs) He might send a lousy employer to you. He might send a headstrong child. He might send a mother-in-law your way. Can I have a witness? Hallelujah. I've got a good one, by the way. But her opinion's always right. I just haven't figured that out yet. Karen says, just give her her way. But that's so hard. So glad she doesn't listen to my podcast. (laughs) And so you want to grow in love, and God puts unlovable people because anybody can love the lovable. 
It's not difficult to love the lovable. There's a bunch of people in this church that's really, really lovable and easy to love. And then there's some. Ooh. Can I have a witness? And God always tests us with unlovable people. And he says, you want to see how high and how wide and how long is my love? I've been putting up with you for 49, 51, however many years you are. And my love has continued to be unconditional. Is God's love unconditional or is it conditional? See, we don't understand that kind of love. We don't understand that kind of grace. And because we don't understand it, and because we haven't gotten a revelation of it, we don't give it. And so how can you give something that you haven't got? And so that's why this passage in chapter 3 of Ephesians is so important, is we have to really get a revelation of God's grace and his unconditional love. How high and how wide and how deep and long it is. And if we'll receive that love, if we'll get a revelation of it and just not talk about it, then we actually give it away. And it's very attractive, by the way. Love is very attractive. And when we give love that is not deserved away, more people come to the kingdom. And they quit calling us hypocrites. And they quit calling us, you know, all those words. So, the administration of God's grace. As an apostle to the Gentiles, Paul had been given this administration from the Spirit. It was an appointment that God had given to Paul, and it was to bring this amazing grace to the Gentiles. This grace is about the generosity of God. Hello, church. His grace is really about his generosity. He wants to dispense it to us. In theological terms, it is called the dispensation of grace. It has been dispensated. It's been poured out to you. It's been poured out to you. And it truly is amazing. It's undeserved favor. If I could have the worship team come, we're going to close the service with amazing grace. My chains are gone. We sang it earlier. And I'm having a hard time on how to finish this word because I left so much out. But uh, if you would stand with me. I want to pray a prayer over us. I want to pray a prayer over us about God's grace and that there would come a revelation. You know, this passage here says it very, very well. I'll point it to it. Oh, can you put that back up? Oh, back up. This passage says it right here really well about the love and the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses what? See, today I'm really praying that the God would help us to go beyond knowledge to revelation.
revelation of God's grace. And here's what I'm believing is when we sing this song, if you'll close your eyes and you'll begin to ask the Lord, God, I want a revelation of your grace. This unmerited favor, this mystery that Paul was talking about in chapter 3 of Ephesians. I want to, to know this grace so that I can approach your throne with great boldness and freedom. Many of you are not approaching God's throne with boldness and freedom because you go with shame. The enemy rides you like a little wet pony and he condemns you and he makes you think that you're not chosen, that you're not beloved. And what God wants to do is he wants to download a revelation of his amazing grace. And as we play, play this song, as we worship, I pray that you will just ask God. Say, God, I want to know. Speak to me. Even if you don't sing the song, you just listen to the words, I, whatever. But this is how we're going to finish, finish the service, is by singing this song. And if you're here today and you just want to bow before the Lord at the altar, get some things right with him, surrender. The Bible says if you will confess your sins before God, he is faithful and just, and he'll forgive you. He'll wipe those sins away and clear them off your slate. So feel free to come and bow before the Lord. If you need prayer, our altar team will be up here on the left to pray with you. But let's sing and let's receive God's amazing grace.